Bunnell Street Art Center is very pleased to welcome you all to the opening talk of Nina's February Artist Residency at Bunnell. Bunnell is situated on the tribal lands of Nichiltana, Nanilchik Village Tribe, and we're grateful to, to be here on these lands that have been stewarded since time immemorial by the indigenous people of this region. Tonight, we're so pleased to have Nina Elder with us. Nina has a long-term relationship to Alaska. She's, she'll tell you more about the times that she's spent in wild places here. And in the midst of winter, um, it's wonderful that you were so you know, keen on coming to Homer and truly bringing your amazing vibrancy and um, vision to our space. So thank you so much, Nina. My pleasure. I'm going to pop out of screen share. I just wanted to share this beautiful image while I could, but I'm going to um, peek into the Bunnell Street Art Center where Nina is sitting in front of um, a wall containing her giant drawings. Awesome. Well, it's so nice to see friends from near and far. There's people that are zooming in from down the road and my parents are here from Colorado and folks in New York City. So it just makes me feel really good to see you all. Um, and um, I just wanted to share some images first because while I would so much rather all of you see my work in person in this beautiful space, as the sun is going down into Ketchumat Bay, um, we're not all together, which is sad, but um, I think that my work maybe kind of speaks to some of what is going on right now. So I made a couple, um, like a, a short presentation just about kind of where this work has come from and where it's going and the idea of collaboration. And then um, and then I hope Mike Conti, my collaborator, can join me for some Q&A because I think this really has been a product of um, a long-term vision of collaboration and some challenges and struggles I've had as an artist kind of bearing fruit. Um, so first of all, just so much gratitude to the Bunnell Street Art Center and to Asia and Brianna and Brianna and Adele for working with me to make this happen. It was really fast. I've never had like this substantial of a residency and an exhibition and a new project all happen so fluidly, which is kind of not what we think about in COVID times. Um, so that's been really incredible. It's amazing to be up here in Alaska in winter and to experience known places in a totally different climactic season than I'm used to. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna sh share my screen. And reduce me down to that. taking a minute to load. There's a bunch of videos in this. Um, give me a second. All right. Um, there we go. Can you all see it? Asia, give me a thumbs up. Yes. yes. Okay, sweet. It's beautiful. So for a long time, um, I'm just going to show a couple images of older work because it's really kind of important to where this was. I was making work 
about like huge, huge ways that humans and in dominant societies and the earth's geology have interacted with each other. Um, and so I was really focusing on kind of these mega systems or hyper objects as people are starting to call them, things like mining systems, um, nuclear test sites. This is a drawing of the largest uh, nuclear crater in the world. Um, quarries, you know, so really big intense systems. Um, and strip mines, pit mines, every kind of mine possible. I'm sure some of you have seen a lot of, seen my work, so I don't need to like go into all that. But I really wanted to like tonight say like, why Alaska, why here, or why right now, why this work? Um, so this is a view of the Root Glacier and the Kennecott Glacier coming together outside of McCarthy, Alaska. I'm sure a bunch of you have been there. Um, and I've spent now more summers there than I have a lot of places. It's really feeling like home. And when I'm there, it's really kind of hard to reconcile the scale of what I'm witnessing, um, you know, under my feet, in my hands while I'm out backpacking versus kind of the climate science and the data that I'm learning about climate change. Um, and so it really revealed this kind of problem to me about like, continuing to make work about these huge hyper objects. Um, it might not really communicate kind of the nuance and the intimacy of what we're facing with climate change. And I love this picture that Mike Conti took of me. I just like, I feel like I have a real awesome relationship with this awesome place. Like I love the landscape around McCarthy in a way where I know it's changes, I know it's moods. I'm not an extreme mountaineer, so I don't know all those like crevices and ogives and everything, but I know, I know I can see it changing and I feel it. And I've had such a heartfelt relationship to that place. Um, and so as glaciers are receding and landscapes are dynamic and Meanwhile, I'm reading all of this science about climate change or I'm experiencing these moments. This was on July 28th of this past summer um, when a bunch of smoke blew over from the permafrost fires um, in Russia. So it was like, you know, a thing that we know that methane is released when permafrost melts and then all of a sudden the skies turn orange while you're on a backpacking trip. Um, like I, I feel this incredible privilege that I have access to these landscapes and to the science, but I've, I've been really craving making something that brings that sense of change and dynamic more into an intimate space. Um, I, when I'm in McCarthy, I'm lucky. I spend a lot of time on little airplanes and on backpacking trips and I get to see these huge majestic views. But this metaphor that I found um, and all the photos from here on in, they're both my photos and Mike Conti's photos. Um, so on this land that is Atna Athabascan traditional land um, around McCarthy, there's these things called puzzle stones, which are really quite unremarkable because they're everywhere and they're in every ecosystem, but they're rocks that have been transformed by rapid climate change. And the science behind them is that 
a rock either has superficial um, saturation of water or deep saturation. Um, and they are evidence of really rapid temperature shifts. So any place where it freezes and thaws, you're going to find them. But around the edge of a retreating glacier, they are much more prevalent. And um, there's stories and ideas about them in all cultures um, because they're really mysterious. They're enigmatic. Um, they they look oftentimes they look really intact, but then the moment you touch them, they often turn into um, you know, rubble or dust or something. And so what I was inspired to do after thinking about, you know, making work about mining and clear cut forests and stuff, it's like, it's really clear to me that we're all so implicated in how this planet is changing. And at the same time, I think we all want to care for it. We want to do something to stop the degradation that's happening. And um, I'm not really like a feel good, super 100% hopeful, optimistic person, as a lot of people in this call know. Um, but what I, what I really wanted to do is to show like breakage happens. Shattering is sort of a normal thing. And um, let's see, how do I get out of that? slide and that even if something is broken even if something is shattered we still can care for it um and i think part of what happened in the process of making this project was i realized even caring for something sometimes has a disruptive quality um so i asked people in the mccarthy area to come with me um and with mike conti and um to as carefully as they could and with as much kind of caring and kindness to try to pick up puzzle stones, to try to take this shattered thing into their own hands and to, you know, try to put it into a place where they could then care for it. Um, and I worked with, I think, 26 people um, to make all of the videos. I'll talk more about all of the different versions of the videos, but um, it was really, really intense. Like we, we do this casually all the time. You pick up puzzle stones, you leave footprints, you do all kinds of things that have environmental impact. But to ask people like, try to pick this broken thing up, just try and try to keep it intact. And it just was impossible. And it was very, um, very daunting, very kind of heavy that some of the conversations we had were, um, really intense. Some of those stones were very large. Some of them are small. Um, I'll tell you more about how these turned up, but it was just amazing. I was able to hire Mike Conti, who's a local awesome cinematographer um, through the National Performance Network and the Speranza Foundation to go out into the field with me and to ask people to do this. Um, and he had all the right everything. He um, He's willing to lay on the ground. I have a lot of funny pictures of you, Mike. I hope you don't mind. Um, you know, we were working with kids, with dogs next to rivers um, and just really having the patience to get people into the mindset of what does it mean to engage with something that's broken in a way that has heartfulness and a potential for healing. Oh, there he is with his shirt off because it was hot in Alaska. 
there's a so happy. It was just like, we're making really good work together. It was so fun. Um, I'd been wanting to work in film for a long time. And um, so let's see, here's another video, but we don't need to watch that. So then what we did was we picked up a ton of puzzle stones and we wrapped them in foil and we took them back to Anchorage. They look like baked potatoes, but they weigh more. Um, because then the intent was then to ask people to try to put the puzzle stones back together. And that was really intense. Was, this was all during COVID. So of course we had planned this all to happen either outdoors or masked, um, you know, with lots of space around people. And um, it was a super intense experience to ask people to do something once again that was a gesture of futility, that was impossible. This idea of putting back together what's broken is just not going to happen. Um, but something that was really interesting about it was, and that I, I kind of predicted would happen, is that then something beautiful would emerge. Um, and these are some of the most like beloved people in Anchorage. Um, I'm sure they're familiar faces to a lot of you. But that once you realize that it was impossible to make something exactly the way it had always been, that people started doing really creative things with them. This is my favorite photo ever of the Conti family. Um, and we worked with people of all different ages and backgrounds, artists and non-artists. Um, people that knew what puzzle stones were, people that weren't. Um, Buck Walski, who we gave a very complicated rock to because we knew he would put it all back together again. Um, little babies. And um, so what was really interesting is that like in the videos that we made in the field, that what remained after these kind of attempts at futility and and healing and acknowledging disruption, that what, what remained was still very, very beautiful, even in its disrupted state. And that's what I was going for. The name of this project is, it will not be the same, but it might be beautiful. Um, and I was just, it was really an incredible thing then to go and take stills from the video that Mike made and draw them they're really large scale. The drawings behind me, I don't know if you can tell some of them are up to seven feet in a dimension. Um, and to go back into those fractures and those breakages and to, um, to kind of understand what had happened and then to see the creative arrangements that people had made. Um, because as an ecological, non-optimist, I wouldn't call myself a pessimist, but I'm not an optimist. Um, I, I can't pretend that things are gonna stay the same. I, I know we're gonna have to live with the breakages um, and that it's gonna be really different, but it was just an extraordinary thing to see, um, you know, these very intentional arrangements that people had made and then to engage with them through drawing. Um, the drawings are made out of, glacial silt that I harvested from the root glacier in McCarthy and wildfire charcoal um, from a deglaciated area in central Oregon um, that had been burned later and um, industrial pulp mill waste. So the materials for me are kind of this ongoing attempt to bring 
the concept and the site where I'm doing research into my work. Um, and I'm gonna just kind of spin around. I can't see myself. Let's see if I can. So you can see kind of the scale of, um, I mean, the space is so beautiful where this exhibit is, but the video that Mike made, um, I just love it because it's these three channels and they have what feels like a never ending cycle of hands engaging with the rocks, um, both to disrupt and pick them up, but then also trying to put them back together again. And it's um, syncopated and um, edited in a really lovely way where it just makes, for me, it makes me really think about the cycles of disruption and reintegration and how constant those are. Um, and it was just such an interesting thing. I've, I don't have the capacity myself to work in video. So I really needed Mike and his um, willingness to be out in McCarthy and to go out with folks and to really think through this project with me. So it's been a couple years in the making and this is today's the first day I've seen it all, all the pieces together. Um, and I'm just as delighted as I could be. And um, Mesh, it's so cool. Now I'm seeing more of you that showed up, more people that are involved in this project. Um, Grandma Pat, so nice to see you. So um, I could stop sharing here or I could talk about what I wanna do during my residency, but I kind of wanna like stop my sharing here and talk, talk about the project and where it is and maybe bring in Mike Conti if he's there. Um, to see how, how we're feeling about this collaborative effort and what it means to be showing it right now. So. Wonderful. Nina, you're, you're, you're so full of uh, grace and, and prowess. I'm, I'm grateful for your ability to just kind of pivot into the sort of adjustments we've had in your talk tonight and also to twirl around on your stool and give us different views of <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the drawings that are on the wall and how um, you how you make them. Yeah. Um, well, they're really big. <laughs> See how big they are, um, and really detailed. So, with these ones, what I did was I rubbed um, glacial silt into the background, um, which is this incredible bluish grayish Jeremy Pataki could probably say exactly what rock it is coming out of the root glacier is it limestone um but so so I rub that into the background and then erase into it so there's a ton of erasing that happens to make these I use a projector um so that I can be really faithful to the detail and um yeah as you can see this whole beautiful space is just full of these big drawings and it's so it's so lovely to show them. Um, I know who made each of these arrangements. Um, they're all made by either new friends or old friends, but I, to me, it's really just more about their form and what they look like here on the wall and in relationship to the video that's on the far wall. So I decided to not put labels on them and just have them be here as their kind of formal broken state. Mike is actually just trying to get back and join us. He didn't uh, realize hey. he could pop back in, so he will yeah. momentarily. Oh, good. No worries. Um, but yeah, I think it's 
the thing that I'm most excited about, like not having a digital show of this, that it's actually in this space is seeing the video of the hands. And I wish all of you could see this, but seeing the hands doing these really disruptive acts and then these really trying attempts at healing acts. And then, and that seems so dynamic. And then seeing the drawings kind of feels like a snapshot in time. And I guess how I think about time is that you know, we're just in this tiny fleeting moment between the past and the future, and it's always changing. And I feel deeply concerned that we make this assumption that like, oh, how things are, how they've always been. Um, and so seeing the kind of dynamics with the hands and then the still drawings really does something different than my work has ever done before. Well, the still drawings also just really slow down the looking and slow down the idea of time into this incredibly laborious process or laborious process of like accretion, right? I mean, yeah. talk a little bit about the kind of time that goes into building these drawings. I drew all these during a residency at the Sitka Center for Art and Ecology this past fall, um, which is so fun. Usually I make drawings and then they go into storage for years and then a while later they get shown. So it was so nice that you saw this happening and you were like, we can show that, we can do this. So this is all um, happened between late November and now. Um, and so I think when I knew they were gonna be shown and I knew that they had, I, I really believe this project has a, a life ahead of it. It's not, um, it's just, it feels like a very rich project for me. Um, you know, I just dove, with my whole heart and labors into it. So I think I was probably drawing like 12 hours a day for six weeks to make this body of work. There's seven drawings. So, um, you know, it's hard work making really big drawings that are really meticulous, but I've always um, appreciated that there's this kind of reverence that I can hold in my body for what I'm working with. I only work with um, pretty horrific subject matter usually and, um, to be able to be still and quiet and to find the beauty and the details is just such a gift. Um, and this is actually less horrific subject matter than I often work with. So um, it felt during this time of huge transitions and fractures and ruptures, it felt really like an appropriate time to make this work. So. Absolutely. And yeah. I just want to remind everybody that if you want to unmute and ask a question or type a question into the chat, um, Nina certainly would welcome that. Jump in anytime. I feel like I don't need to do all the talking. Um, so, well, Mike's back with family, and I just wanted to hi. Um, and I just want to like say that I just would never have happened without that whole family being like, yeah, we show up, we make. Like I was sleeping in their greenhouse for part of the summer. Um, they were came out to visit me and, um, you know, friends in McCarthy put them up on their land. And it's just projects like this don't happen in a vacuum. They take a whole community. And um, I'm just so thankful for the McCarthy community that they welcome everybody. Um, Mike, unmute yourself. <laughs> okay, I'm unmuted. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. Hi, Nina. Hi, Ella. Hi, Riley. Is that Riley in the background? No, that's Shoko. Hi, Shoko. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I would have never thought of doing this project if it hadn't been for my friendship with Mike and knowing that I could make a project with um, a really good cinematographer who wouldn't mind crawling around on the ground with me for weeks. So um, I don't know. When did we realize it was actually going to happen, Mike? Uh, I, I don't remember, I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe a year ago, spring is when it started to come form in my consciousness. Maybe it was longer in yours, but... Um, it's been a but, long time making in mine, but... But I, I think I just, you know, wrote it into my calendar or my mental calendar a year ago, maybe. Um, so... Um, so yeah, I mean, just planning for being in McCarthy and shooting and figuring out problem solving. Mm -hmm. And you made this lovely three channel video that looks great here and that we hope will uh, go on to further installations and Mike shot it in a way where it can be projected in architectural scale. So that's exciting. And was the idea of that three-channel video yours, Nina, or is that something that you guys sort of co-created or Mike came up with to sort of address the concept of interacting with the puzzle stones? We kind of made a lot of drawings, Mike and I, um, and came up with we wanted it to be. And I knew I wanted it to be multi-channel because I wanted there to be this, like, sense of ongoing simultaneous change um so i think that it needed that but you know it was up to my figure out how um, how it can work i don't know how to do these things <laughs> totally worked in a way that i had no idea how to do so, yeah yeah I, I can you hear me with this thing on Yes. Okay. Um, so I, I think it was your idea, your concept to have three channels and uh, and close ups. There was a there was a sort of an idea, something to do with a black box that we sort of threw out mm -hmm. on the first day. So we tried um, a lot of stuff. There was there was like a you know a prop involved and and a story and then it all kind of boiled down to just hands and rocks. And uh, so so hopefully, yeah, like Nina said, it'll we'll get a chance to project big, um, you know, big, big 4K projections on something mm -hmm. like a building or a, a tank in on the spit, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, uh, who knows. <laughs> Uh, something try th try some things out and um, go from there. Grandma Pat, can I make you talk? Maybe. <laughs> well, I would just love to hear from your point of view because I know that we had a pretty emotional exchange about like doing this with our hands and picking up these broken things and acknowledging the brokenness of the world, what having a camera watching you do that. And I'm just wondering if you can relay part of that experience to our friends here. It was intense. At one moment, I just started crying. It was also, 
Um, I'm in my 70s, so there was this impossible position that I had to get in on the ground to handle these broken rocks. And I had um, a bad hip from an accident and a thrown out shoulder from an accident. So I tried to be graceful and conscious that there was a camera on us. Um, but I was also fumbling and sighing and carrying on. But the more you try, it, it doesn't go back the same. And you find yourself almost cradling it. I mean, there was a little broken egg, baby bird kind of feel about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I have these little broken puzzle rocks all over my porch and my front yard and mm-hmm. the neighbor's rocks. <laughs> Well, I love too watching the videos and I wish you all could see it because I know whose hands they are in the videos and I know my friends and I remember the really intense conversations that we were all having making it. And, um, you know, some people were talking about like personal traumas and other people were talking about climate change and some of the kids just saw it as like a game, but um, put together in this video piece, it really creates a... um, a pretty cohesive feeling of, of, of breaking, not of the, a broken state is not the end of something, which is really important to me. Nina, did you show any of the video? I didn't, I didn't jump back on the Zoom. I did. I showed individual oh. clips. I didn't have access to the three channel, oh. but I showed some of the mm. clips that I had from when we were in McCarthy of fingers and rocks and stuff. I, I could probably share the screen if you want. I have it. Yeah, if you would for a few minutes, that'd be really mm-hmm. nice. Love that. Well, you're queuing that up. I was going to invite Jeremy to, to share aloud your observations and questions. Jeremy. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, would, I just posted a comment sort of um, thinking about the the fun um you know contrast between like the idea of nina actually making the drawings and the life of the actual you know drawing on the wall that's static um and the uh like slippage between the fact that there is no such thing as a still puzzle rock like you can take a photo and you can draw it but they don't stay put like it you know you you breathe on it and everything moves and falls apart and crumbles and um, so I love the, uh, I love the pairing of, of the sort of caught moment of the super meticulous drawings that took thousands and thousands and thousands of moments with video that shows some of the context and process. Um, but also as a person that like, you know, lives, lives out in McCarthy and spends, you know, a lot of time there and encounters a lot of. And your hands are in the video a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting how, like, the attention of a person doing work, like Nina, in a familiar landscape can change the way you experience a landscape that you're familiar with. Um, so, you know, like this fall, you know, walking up McCarthy Creek, finding puzzle stones, which I've always loved. Um, loved, I've always, you know, noticed puzzle stones, but they, you know, the the, the sort of um, way they mean differently now. And then also just like learning about how they even work 
more than I ever would have known is 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 sort of an interesting little personal thing. But mm -hmm. I was sharing this work with um, uh, someone who lives on the Navajo Nation yesterday, and they were saying, "Oh, it's so interesting. We have so many of those in sandstone, but they actually." You know, and it was just like so interesting to think about these different places where puzzle stones occur and how different it is and, um, you know, and that they're like rare and super special out in the desert in southern Arizona and that they're just everywhere in your landscape, but they kind of signify the same thing. So I started seeing them as like this universal, I hadn't realized how universal they were until after I made this project. So, hmm. yeah. Are you queued up, Mike? I, this is like my favorite opening ever. Cause like, I know almost all of you and you all are like dear people to me. And I'm like, this is just so like casual. <laughs> it's so pleasant. <sighs> okay. I'm going to share the screen and then, um, you know, Nina, if you want me to go to a certain part or, you know, I can. Whatever you want. Can do whatever. This is the beginning, and I like how the how it starts with the two hands. And this in the middle is me and Jeremy working together on this big rock that took us a while and was kind of interesting to interesting process to uh, to go through. That was one where I was like, are we doing something wrong? Like we are taking apart this huge thing. But I remember talking while, while it was happening, the sound, thankfully these videos have no sound, but we were saying, cause this was on the toe of the glacier where the glacier's coming back and it's a lake and it, it changes so often. And um, I remember we we're talking like, well, even in a week, this will crumble and fall into the lake. So we're just kind of acting as geologic phenomena right now. Well, I thought it was really interesting asking people to come together in Anchorage and to try to put them together. And um, although probably unintentional, it felt like we were dealing with kind of like a rural urban difference or like a controlled environment versus a not controlled environment. I just, you know, being the artist, there was like really fascinating differences, but I don't know if it's prevalent or important to the finished piece of work. Well, it does break it up into into two distinct um, scenes. I mean, there's two two different scenes, mm -hmm. both really close up. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, this is just part of the fabric of McCarthy. Is that everyone in McCarthy had white appearing skin, and our community in Anchorage is much much more diverse. Um, which in this whole action of breaking and healing, I know we had a lot of conversations about that that were interesting. Like, does it fall on, you know, black indigenous and people of color to do more of the work that's maybe caused by white dominant society? And we had some really interesting conversations about that. It's challenging and I don't know if it's, a super intentional part of this project, but um, it, 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 it fascinates me and I'm glad it's there.
And here on the right hand frame, we have the, the babies, mm -hmm. the, <laughs> the little guys um, who I think it's gonna fall really on to fix everything. Yeah. The, the younger kids. Nina, Monica is asking how the rocks come to be fractured this way. Yeah, so they um, they either have a superficial saturation of water or they're so cold throughout that it doesn't matter if there's water in them. And then when they emerge, at least in the case of McCarthy, when they emerge from ice, whether it's a glacial ice or rivers that melt, um, and they rapidly thaw, they just kind of explode. So it's sort of like when you put an ice cube into a glass of not cold water and it goes and it makes that popping sound. Um, that's what these rocks have done. So just on a bigger scale. Um, and it's, that's how so much of geology happens is these, you know, cycles of cold and hot. So I'm just jumping around a little bit. Yeah, it's funny seeing it on the screen like this and seeing it, it's also right in front of me in the gallery. <laughs> Does anyone else have any questions? I like what my sister Erin says about that it makes her think about the rocks that are broken by industry and that that's been part of my work for a long time. So I do think I'm kind of honing in on these more poetic spaces and I really like that. Oh, and Michelle, thank you for saying that, Michelle. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Um, yeah, we had long conversations. Michelle got to see these drawings while I was making them in Oregon. Um, and we talked a lot about if these are portraits and if these are broken bodies and if there are limbs and torsos and it like really made me uncomfortable when we were talking about it because it's, like, I'm not ready to personify these things in that way, but I, I think it's really important to start seeing ourselves in these breakages. And if that means, um, you know, seeing limbs and torsos and bodies in these broken forms, I think that's actually really poignant because this is as much part of our life, this planet, as our bodies are. So thank you for bringing that up, Michelle. Yeah. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, cool. I'm using new headphones. So um, yeah, no, I think like your work is just so stunning. The drawings um, were just spectacular to see in person and all those conversations that we've had, you know, everybody who's here is just really lucky if they've gotten to collaborate in any way with you in your work. It's just stunning. So thank you. Thank you for making it. Yeah. Um, well, maybe we can, I don't want to go on and on and on. I wanted to show a couple images. So maybe Mike, if you want to stop the video, even though it's showing my favorite part with Buck's hands. Um, but I just wanted to show a little bit about what I'm going to be working on during my residency. Cause I'm really excited about it. Um, do, do, do. man, zoom when it works, it's really awesome. <laughs> and when you don't get bombed, um, so in thinking about these more intimate objects that can show us the breaking and the healing in the world and thinking about what I was gonna do while I was in Homer, 
um, all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I want to work with the objects that fishermen depend on. And I have to clarify for people that aren't in Alaska, fisherman is a gender neutral term. So people that are femme and women identifying call themselves fishermen up here. I always feel weird saying that. And I'm like, no, it's what everybody calls themselves. But so fishermen, so being up here and talking with fishermen about you know, what happens when their anchor line breaks? What happens when their net has a hole in it? What happens when their ropes fray? Um, and to me, there's just, I've been so interested in like, when we trust something and it breaks, how do we continue to have a relationship to that? So I'm just showing some photos that I've been taking. Um, I'm inviting people here in Homer to come and show me ropes or things that they found on the beach. Um, you know, wearing masks and being cautious, I will happily go to somebody's like shed or workshop and see what they have that they're mending. But, you know, just going out onto the docks the other day, it was stunning to see how much mending people do to, and then that they're able to trust these mended ropes. Um, and I just think they're so beautiful. Obviously I, you know, changed them into black and white and made them a little bit more dramatic, but I'm so excited to draw these. Um, I think this one's especially beautiful with these different braids and weaves and wraps and, um, and then seeing like the incredibly harsh for me, I, mean, I know it's not harsh compared to a lot of Alaska, but that these boats are tied to these frozen moorings and that there's just ice and snow and wind and, um, really unpredictable waves and earthquakes and things like that. And that the boats stay tethered and that so many of these ropes have had many, many, many lifetimes. I just think they're so beautiful. So um, I have a little station set up here in the gallery where I'm drawing and where people can bring me their um, their objects to, to share with me. So I'm really excited to make that work. Wonderful. <laughs> have you been, have you been getting, have people been coming by and bringing some things to you? I've had, I can show you my awesome treasure trove that people have brought to me. Um, I have like a table full of stuff already. Um, and I'm going out on the beaches at high tide and low tide every day and, and collecting stuff. And, um, I hung up a sign at the hardware store saying that people can contact me if they want to get rid of their rope waste. But I just have to show you this. Oh my God. Now it's like oozing. I found this thing on the beach this morning and I thought it was the inside of like a dog toy because it feels like it's rubber. And now I'm quite sure it's something that was alive. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's really gnarly. <laughs> so I don't know if I'll make a drawing of that, but yeah, I'm just, I'd say it's amazing in this time where we're all feeling kind of isolated from each other to have conversations about what's broken. And I've had really just walking down the beach, talking to people about what they're picking up. I've had really lovely interactions with total strangers. So it's very nice. Homer is the most gracious community, I have to say. Like every single thing I've asked for or needed, this community just shows up in spades and um, it's just extraordinary. And it's amazing to be in residence here. I can walk everywhere. Um, Mike loaned me his car, but I haven't even used it. Um, it's just been incredible. 
So are you still in need of more objects to draw? Are you still welcoming more people to come in and bring? Absolutely. Or even if you're not here and you have a photograph of a beloved, of a broken object that you found or a frayed thing that fascinated you, I would be really just curious to even through email um, engage with that because there's so much that I'd love to see. Mm. Wonderful. And so I'm excited that toward the end of your residency, um, I guess it will be February 26th at 11, you'll be back on inspiration and adaptation to talk about the works that you've made. And maybe some of the folks who've brought pieces in might join you to talk to about, you know, that sharing these things that they found, why they were drawn to it and so forth. Yeah. I'm excited to also be doing some writing about what it means to be living in the fray and with the fray and among the fray. And it's just a really fascinating kind of conceptual treasure trove that I feel like I'm stumbling through. So absolutely. Well, thank you to the Homer community, National Performance Network, Speranza Foundation. There's some folks here from my Speranza community. I love you all. Um, yeah. And my family, my whole family showed up tonight. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Keep in touch, everybody. Thank you, Asia. Thank you, Nina. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for Thank coming you, back. Michael. <laughs>